the most wonderful time of the year. Cause it's G1 season, baby, over here. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the most electrifying, must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. Welcome to FFC. I am your host, unabashed Gaijin and lover of all things hailing from Japan related to professional wrestling and resident mook Damian Ellinghouse accompanied as always by good friend and lover of beautiful round robin tournaments Ryan Doyle are you stealing my singing cues Damian I sing I am the one who sings now that's me so you just stand over there and you'll look pretty you don't you don't want to sing I think we're alone now I don't know. Well, as it turns out, Ryan, we're not alone, are we? No, we're not. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from... No guests this week. No guests. Sasuke Minoru! <laughs> That's right. So, folks, it's an exciting time to be alive. This episode is going to be dropped on you folk hot right off the presses right as soon as we are done recording this bad boy because we want to make sure we get in time for a couple of things. Now, of course, uh, coming up first, and we're going to be talking about this, we've got AEW Grand Slam. And ladies and gentlemen, this will be my first ever attended in-person wrestling event. And... It will Wait. be. That's right. Squeeze me. Oh yes! Wow. You're, I have never been to a wrestling event, and this is going to be the first. And what an event it is going to be! I am almost positive I'm not allowed to call out the next day. Everything is going to be pain oh, and yeah. fire better, and mm-hmm. chaos. You're going to know the pain that that is. But it is going to be beautiful, and I will, of course, be accompanied by my lovely wife and some friends and yours truly Ryan Doyle will be right next to me for my first foray into frivolities. That's uh, right. I am compromising my WWE loyalty. And in the card. That's it. It's oh, it's over, Ryan. No more Monday Night Raw for you. They don't want you anyway. You know what? I mean, they really don't. And uh, it's kind of refreshing be, be, joining in the in the swell of AEW in the last month. has just been it's been nice. What what a crazy crazy combination of just listening to your fans and getting individuals, no matter what the cost is. Thank Go you, figure. thank you, uh, thank you, Tony's dad for. Uh, creating bumpers on a mass scale for auto dealers in America and that fortune becoming your son's pet project. So thank you. Thank you, Papa. Tony Papa. Thank you, Papa Khan. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to delve right in because not only do we have to talk about AW Grand Slam, but of course the, the moment is arrived the most wonderful time of the year. G1 season, baby! So, without further ado, 
But with much further aplomb, let's get right into it. Now, Ryan, what are you consuming today? All right, so <laughs> I I can see what it is. <laughs> I don't know if the nimble listeners can. I am drinking Revolution Brewing. I think it's a first-time debut on the show because I was told that I drink the same beers in multiple episodes. So I got Lo a new and behold, one. it's actually Voodoo Ranger <laughs> with a different sticker on it. Baka! That's Voodoo Ranger's music. <laughs> Uh, I have an anti-hero in the apparel from Revolution Brewing, straight from Chicago, Illinois. And uh, I didn't realize this when I bought the can, but I mean, look, you got you got the Chicago, you got the Chicago star here. You got you got the fist. I mean, maybe an allusion to a certain Chicago, Chicagoan, Ch Ch Chicago Linian. I don't know what the proper verbiage there is, but. It's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Chickagoan. Chickagoan, our favorite Chickagoan, CM Punk. So I think maybe it's a tribute to him. It, dude, I mean, it has to be. I'm, I'm not going to keep showing you. But anyway, it's... You're uh, not showing it anyway. You're showing it off the camera. You're just holding it off to the side and going, <laughs> I don't know, look at this. Look at this. Uh, yeah, looks tasty. Uh, 6.7 EBV. Doesn't mention the hops. I'm sure there's some good hops in here. Maybe some Citra. Maybe some... Uh, some some Larry hops in here. Who knows? Some nice hops. Um, I am polishing off a Dragon's Milk Bourbon Barrel Aged Stout coming from New Holland Brewing Company. Uh, I wanted a little something as I delved back into Ghost of Tsushima for my third playthrough. Uh, now that I have the DLC, and did not realize I thought it was I was grabbing a nice milk stout, and instead I grabbed an eleven percent bourbon barrel. So I've been working on this for three hours. That's right, folks. We are dropping the episode tonight. You be That's sure right. of that. That's where it's going. And uh, more importantly, I've got uh, this is a very interesting looking one. So this is coming from uh, Livingston Co. This is the Gemini Fruited Sour, and this comes from the cellars of uh, Travis Gentile himself, I'm, I'm made to understand. Oh, the purveyor. The purveyor himself. <laughs> it is a fruited sour, 7%, so still a little high, and this has pineapple, blueberry, and glazed donuts, and it is blueberry glazed donut season, baby, so. Wait, dude, uh, like, you're drinking two? Well, this one's, like, almost done. So it's, you know, it's ah, I've been working okay. on it. And, and, and when I first pulled it out and it was like cold, I was like, oh, this is not going to be a particularly pleasant. But then like now it's room temperature and now it's going down very smooth. You, I forget that like those bourbon barrels, sometimes you really do want you them do, like yeah. room temp. You yeah. want it neat. Definitely. Sometimes <laughs> splash, it's splash water. What? A splash of water, a little bit of sprinkling some water yeah, in there. No, really opens up the notes. <laughs> You're not you don't have to impress anybody. Just fucking help yourself <laughs> and put that little splash of water in your drinks, folks. <laughs> so we will crack what is needed to be cracked. And sip. Whoa, that is wild. Holy shit. This <laughs> is literally a blueberry glazed donut in a can. Uh, I feel like you always know a beer is going to be good when it's a nice tinge of red. I love a good, like, True. red, orange, punchy uh, color. All right. So, uh, 
Who's ready for story time with FFC, baby? Uh, uh, now, we do apologize for, for a lack of episode last week. Uh, it was a certain somebody's uh, bachelor party for uh, a wedding that did, isn't going to happen in a, a, a marriage that already did. Um, it was really just an excuse to get drunk with some friends, but it was a great time. And uh, the Nimble listeners just... Uh, you know, you guys, yeah, I, lo- I love you all dearly, but you had to take a back seat. You had to take a back seat. It was Papa's time. Cunts! <laughs> <laughs> we are not saying a curse there. It is a game. Uh, I will not be explaining it here because I don't want anybody to die. Uh, but we are here now, and that is what matters. So, uh, yeah, so so uh, the last time, so we haven't spoken to the, to the folks since... Uh, since all out huh? oh yeah that's right <laughs> we uh certain certain big show happened in in between our absence didn't it? it gave us a real nice bump in the ratings too shout out to chris sweeney papa chris thank you so much my friend um one of the rare situations where we're calling someone papa and they are in fact a papa so there you go <laughs> Uh, yeah, so All Out, uh, you know, obviously we, we, we can't even start to get into that, but of course what, what mattered the most was one hell of a pay-per-view, one hell of a pay-per-view, uh, that we got to watch in person together and just one of the more enjoyable pay-per-views, uh, we've been able to watch in a while. And of course, at this point, as everybody knows, uh, the debuts of Ruby Soho winning the, uh, women's eliminator match, uh, uh, Adam Cole coming out at the end of Kenny Omega's match with Christian Cage followed then by Brian Danielson. Uh, just, uh, uh, God, I, I don't I don't even know what to do. Satoshi Kojima. It was what a, my God. AEW fucking Suzuki coming this out. Man, I had never seen Damien's soul leave his body before, but I, I certainly did when Suzuki's name came up on the Titan Tron. I didn't give a fuck about no fucking, no Adam Cole, no Brian Danielson, no Ruby Soho. When I just heard the do, 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 I clutched Ryan's chest and I went, <laughs> And that is how I feel still. And then they put him on for 10 minutes the next night. And it all worked out because now we lead up to AEW Grand Slam, a fucking four hour massive super card uh, where Rampage also has a hell of a card. So, I mean, oh, it'll take all night if we go through it. But just look at this, this card. You first off, FTR. Versus Sting and Darby Allen, I'm gonna get to see the icon himself in person. I I think that's what's just most important about this is that in the year of our Lord 2021, you will see a Sting match. And and imagine telling somebody like I don't know. Imagine telling somebody like after Impact or after Sting had his match with Seth Rollins that not only was Sting going to be in a different wrestling company. Uh, that that other wrestling company was not WCW, and that Sting was going to be wrestling at 61, 62 years old and looking damn fucking good doing it. Yeah, man. I don't know if he uh, has some of those mysterious stem cells, but... Uh... He is looking fantastic. I love the way that Sting is being utilized. 
he doesn't take up too much time on the card. He doesn't take up too much time uh, every week, but but he gets his his play. Perfect, uh, perfect role for him to play. He never has to do anything over the top. Uh, he's a good mentor to Darby. Uh, perfect so far, honestly. Been loving it. Uh, and then we're going to get, for the AEW Women's World Championship, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, versus Ruby Soho. Uh, coming hot right out of the gate. Had a great match with Jamie Hayter. Good performance against Thunder Rosa in the Women's Eliminator. I expect this to be a very fun match. Uh, you know, Ruby never really did it for me too much in WWE, but I liked her look, and she was always a solid worker. But, uh, you know... All she really ever needed was a little bit of screen time to get herself over. She had a, a great promo off against Britt Baker that Jim Cornette, of all people, referred to as similar to some Sean and Brett shit. So, uh, you know. That's uh, impressive. Sometimes so some, you just need a different look, man. You know, you don't need to be fucking uh, a five-star wrestler in every match. No. If you just have that good look, man, that, that will carry you throughout your time in a particular company. Absolutely. I don't think she was able to to get proper time. She was stuck in the three trio group that she was with uh, Liv Morgan and and uh, Sarah. We got it. crazy Sarah, crazy Mary Sarah Logan. And Sarah Logan. There you go. And uh, she never really got a proper singles run. But yeah, um, it, it was like an interesting concept, and and uh, you know the all of them were over in different ways. But yeah, you know it just uh, it just it fizzled out, and and it is what it is. But. Uh, She's I, in her I, proper. She's in her proper home now. Yeah, and she gets to fucking come out to rancid. So <laughs> that's awesome. She comes out On to fucking the rancid of the fucking guitar. Yes, himself. by Lars Fredrickson. Like, then you got MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. Um, you gotta respect that MJF is. They they've really. I guess Tony just said, I don't care what you say. Just go and do classic Southern style healing. And and boy, is he doing that. Uh. I'm gonna completely be honest here. Uh, Pillman is not selling this feud for me as like the blood feud for his family's soul that he is trying to present it as. Uh, you're you're kind of right, right? You know, thinking, Don't you think about it in this moment? Because isn't it kind of weird? You know, it's still good when we have to question, uh, as we did along with Travis this weekend, was. Is he getting clearance for some of his comments, man? Because it's just. <laughs> I mean, look, MJF just fucking killing it as always. Uh, the the call up to Brian Pillman in the rafters and then say, "Who am I kidding?" and start stamping on the floor. That's such an old school fucking move, man. And I just fucking went nuts for that. What um, you you got to remember that I I want to call him Green at this point, but I guess he has to. You know what it is, dude? You're gonna have that name. You have to be a loose cannon like his pops, and I don't want him to be, like, you know, insane, but I want him to be, like, I'm going to rip fucking Wardlow's little ponytail off his goddamn head, and I'm going to shove it down MJF's throat. You, I think you, you, he has to step it up a little bit, but let's give him a chance. Let's see what he does Wednesday. Look, I mean, yeah, he, uh, he absolutely is, if you wouldn't say green, he's only been wrestling four years, so he's 28. Uh, he just like, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like there's an edge that he's currently missing for this feud. Uh, he's a solid wrestler. Good look. Uh, doesn't quite have the mic skills yet. Um, honestly, I think MJF said it best when he, uh, 
looked at Brian Pillman when he came out in Cincinnati and said, you're uh, you, you want to go toe to toe with me on the mic? I don't know, bud. Uh, but you know what? Uh, the MJF is, is really, really working this angle. And you know what? Uh, JR's connection to the Pillman family really, you know, his sit down with Pillman Jr. Where, where he got to kind of break character a little bit and, you know, JR got some good emotion out of him is working to sell it. And I expected the match to be good. And more importantly, if the company is high on Brian Pillman Jr., putting him in an angle with MJF and like, this is a situation where, you can have MJF get beaten by Brian Pillman Jr. And it doesn't really do that much to, to, you know, rub off MJF's shine. Uh, this is a feud that if Pillman hits the right steps, will help get him over. So this is, I, I like what they're doing with them. And I, I think it's a worthwhile mid card feud and just shows that MJF can kind of bounce all over the place. And that, that, that's one point I want to make is that MJF's uh, ability to carry these mid card feuds as top tier level matches is just unmatched. And it's a good thing that you brought up JR too, because JR, I think, is living, taking this moment to live vicariously through uh, Pillman's son. And because he was just absolutely robbed of a great career. And, you know, I think he really wants us to make it work. You know, he, he scouted um, Pillman off of when he was uh, working with the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, we all know JR's affinity for football. So I think that he really wants to. He really wants everybody back there wants uh, Pillman Jr. to hit a home run, and I think that or score a touchdown. So uh-huh. I think I, <laughs> I think you know everybody's rooting for him to to do good, and I, I expect good things. I yeah. Um, then then you got the return of Cody Rhodes because mm-hmm. if there's one thing mm-hmm. Cody loves, it's it's a good return uh, versus Malachi Black, and again. Uh, look, to be clear, we at FFC, we, we shit on Cody happily, uh, will do so for the remainder of his time as wrestler. Uh, but let's not kid ourselves. This match is probably going to be pretty fucking it's gonna good. Slap. It's going to be a good slap, match. Dude. And um, the, the dynamic between the both of them of light and dark works, you know, uh, Malachi's entrance. I'm, I'm really curious to see. How they do it, I have to assume they'll probably have the roof closed, so hopefully you get the full lights-out experience of his entrance. A uh, real spectacle. I love how he's being presented right now. I feel fairly confident that Cody probably is going to go over here, and I'm sure that there are plenty of people who tell me, well, that's what's supposed to happen because Malachi's the heel and he already... Killed Cody when he first came on, but I don't know. You know, I'm an Al- I'm a I'm a I'm a Tommy and Alistair Black Malachi Black fan, and I just want him to win. And that's what I want. But Cody must go over. I understand. I think Black fucked with too many people to not get his comeuppance. Yeah, you know, he did. In this he match. killed Arn and Arn's son and Dustin and Lee Moriarty and killed Cody first. So I guess it's probably the fan in me talking where I'm just like, I don't care. Fuck Cody. I don't. Let, it's not going to hurt him. I mean, it won't it won't hurt him. Hopefully it will release him from the grips of the Cody verse and let him go interact <laughs> with the rest of the fucking roster. That is true. That is true. Cody has cultivated uh, a Triple H-esque uh, multiverse around him where like if you work a match with him, it's going to be 
Just so, strap in, bro. You're gonna yeah, get you're, to- <laughs> you're there. You'll get the rocket strapped to you, brother. But that rocket is going straight to Codyville. Uh, this CM Punk's going to have an interview 48 ma- hours before his first TV match in over seven years, except it's actually going to be like the same night, which is even cooler. And then, of course, uh, the main event. But before we get to the main event. Well, let's dial back on the interview. Do you think something's going to happen? Or you yeah. think... Probably so, just sell what's going to happen in an hour after that interview. So, you know. Yeah, that's true. He's going to have a match against Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, you know, what I'm interested to see here is will will Hobbs go over? Do we feel that CM Punk is in a place where he really should be like he should just run roughshod over whoever? I think they could benefit from letting Hobbs go over here because Hobbs is an immensely talented uh, performer. He is would be a great going over on Punk would be a great way to to help solidify Team Taz as something more than just a mid card mm-hmm. team with nothing of note. Uh, he's going to have Hook in his corner, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of Hook chance. But more importantly than that, uh, we talked about this before. There is a severe lack of um, people of color at the top of the card, and positioning somebody like Hobbs uh, to be at the top of the card and putting him over Punk, this is the way you go about it. No, a win over Punk, I think, would mean a lot. But regardless of what happens... I'm still going to fucking watch CM Punk have a goddamn match yeah. live. And that's, that's awesome. That's what's important. Uh, you're right. I think um, it's time. I, I think that there's, Hobbs... There's been too many tweets about Hobbs. And I, it, it drives me a little nuts that like he's still in this position. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. He is a, a superstar. He is intense. He's big. I I think Punk can afford to lose to basically anybody on this roster and have it be fine. Uh, so whatever, we'll see. Uh, then you're gonna have a six man, uh, well, a, a four man, I guess, uh, an eight man tag match: Lucha Bros and Santana and Ortiz versus Private Party and the Butcher and the Blade. Uh, that match is gonna be awesome. I've uh, no doubt that Santana Ortiz, Lucha Brothers are gonna be a great team together. Uh, you talked about going back 12, 15 years ago and asking somebody who was watching Sting and Impact, you know, would you believe that he was going to be in the 18,000 seat arena that wasn't run by WWE. Go back to me on Warp Tour in 2008 and ask me if I'm going to see Andy Williams wrestle in an 18,000 seat arena. Yeah, man. And a big deal card against the fucking tag team champions. That's what I'm most excited about, too, is seeing, seeing them. That we're, they're truly special. Um, So that's going to be a great match. You're going to have Anna Jay versus Penelope Ford. Um. I appreciate that they are making sure that Rampage gets at least one women's match every uh, every go round. But more than that, me and Ryan have been calling for this for how long now? We don't we we don't need every single woman on the roster to be champion, but we need mid card or upper card feuds that don't involve the titles with the women. The women simply need more story. There is a lot of talent there, and so. I'm glad to see that we are getting just that. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be Anna Jay's return. Should be a good time. You're going to get the men of the year with Dan Lambert versus Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. I don't care. This is stupid. I don't know why the inner circle are the ones that are doing this. <laughs> I'm ha- I, I, And I want to say like at least Scorpio's getting on TV and I am happy for that. But he's also been overshadowed by Ethan Page and like they just... 
Scorpio would have been a lot better if they stuck him, you know, when he won, solo. he grabbed the brass ring Where's and then he, he run, yeah, bro? he he left SCU, he did the grabbed the brass ring, didn't win a TNT championship and like looked like he was starting to develop a little bit of edge and I don't know, I guess maybe they figured he wasn't charismatic enough, stuck him with Ethan Page, but now he's being eclipsed in charisma by Ethan Page. So like it well, in my opinion yeah. it got the opposite effect. Not many people know who Dan Lambert is. I, he's doing some good heel work, but I mean, like, that group should be reserved for up-and-comers. You're right. I mean, I'm not, like, it, we shouldn't complain too much about this, but you're right. I mean, I I would prefer a Scorpio Sky solo run now. It's, it's honestly, it's less that I am upset that men of the year are getting a, sh- uh, uh, a match, and more that, like, Jericho and, and Jake Hager are the ones that are doing it. Uh, yeah, but they lose, like, okay. Will they lose? You think they're going to have Jericho lose at this? Probably no, not. they're probably not. Probably going to have Jake Hager win so that they can be like, look, my ability is better. Uh, Dan Lambert's healing is fine, but like we're really, really like leaning into the like jaded millennial of it all. It's a little bit boring. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I only see extra small men's shirts and triple X women's shirts. <laughs> some of it's funny for sure, but uh, it, yeah, whatever. It's it'll be it'll be fine. there. I'm sure it'll be fine. But the three matches of the night. Uh, the two rampage matches and the 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 top uh, the main event for Grand Slam, uh, the return of the Super Click. I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that uh, the last time that you saw the Super Click together, 2017, right before Adam Cole, right when Adam Cole got kicked out of Bullet Club and left Ring of Honor for uh, NXT. Yeah, whenever that last Ring of Honor match was, I think this was during the time of Golden Lovers too. Um, and this is going to be the Super Click versus Christian Cage and Jurassic Express. Uh, you want to talk about AEW doing things, you know, booking people the right ways and wrong ways. Uh, some people probably disagree with this. I personally think that the way they've booked Christian has been very, very good, very strong. I, I can understand the argument that like, well, Edge is over here in the main event and Christian's kicking around the mid card. But what I do appreciate, first off, you have to remember Edge left WWE as a as a main event guy if christian was in wwe i'm not sure he gets the same treatment because he was never treated with the same reverence that edge was he just wasn't it's just what it is it's unrealistic for you to expect the edges love christian love me some christian love my peeps terrific worker He's not on the same level as edge in wwe he's not he just edge, isn't edge, and that's edge fine god tier and christian deservedly should be put in a bigger tier than people put him in or the company puts him in uh but no i mean that's fine but But, i mean you you can almost argue with edge right now i mean sorry what you can almost argue with christian right now is that he could just kick back and fucking enjoy the ride from this point he got a great title match i don't expect him to get anything further than that and that's okay he pinned kenny omega on fucking live tv yeah come on i mean like it's fine and and i and i like it because this the only way that AEW is going to be able to pick up all of these returning stars or stars in their prime and not edge out all of the people that they're trying to build up is exactly like this. Christian's 47. He can maneuver how he needs to. MGF can maneuver how he needs to. It's the same thing, right? So fucking put Adam Cole and Christian Cage and have them go at it. It elevates the mid card, mm-hmm. right? It it creates a situation where stars are fluid, which is exactly what you want. And uh, this match is going to be great. And again, I'm about to see fucking Christian 
and Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Like this, it's ridiculous the fucking things I'm gonna see at the show. That's yeah, crazy, it really. Is. And of course, the only match I actually give a shit at Rampage, <laughs> Eddie Kingston and my favorite wrestler in the world, John Moxley versus motherfucking Suzuki Goon, Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer. I am going to kaze knee that fucking nare so hard. It's a lights out match. They are going to beat the ever-loving fuck out of each other. I am going to get to watch Minoru Suzuki fight John Moxley in person, and I am going to shit myself. Fights out match. I. It is everything I wanted. It's everything I've ever wanted. You know what I, that means, too, is that this match is fucking shit's going down. They might fucking come to us. Who knows how high up they go? Uh, Suzuki is going to go up to the upper rafters where we are sitting. He's going to go to Damien and he's going to say, I hate you and punch Damien right in the face and the crowd's going to go nuts. And I'm going to spit out teeth and say, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and then as if all of this was not enough, the main event of Grand Slam, a non-title match, Kenny Omega versus Brian fucking Danielson for the first time in 17 years if not longer Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson outside of PWG or ROH whichever place they they saw each other in last I it is it is, we have been banging this gong for a while now, and it is not uh, AW cannot get sole credit for it. And they, but but indisputably, they are the biggest mover right now. It is a damn exciting time to be a wrestling fan, and this match right here is proof positive. There's no uh, words to be I, spoken. <laughs> it's like Brian Danielson outside of WWE against Kenny Omega outside of New Japan. It, we're just going to have to sit back and just witness this ourselves. Whether you think that Kenny, whether you've enjoyed his run, whether you've hated his run, whether you think he's lost a step or not, I promise you, whatever you were worried about with Kenny Omega, it ain't going to be there for this match. Brian Danielson telling Don Callis to shut the fuck up, calling him a piece of shit and saying, I don't want whatever this is. I want the best bout machine. But maybe that guy's not home. Kenny, snarling. You want the best bout machine? You got him. So that is what we're going to get. And what I love about this is you truly don't know what's going to happen. Brian Danielson could absolutely beat him here. It's a non-title match. Why the fuck couldn't he? But if Kenny beats Brian Danielson here, this is something that Meltzer pointed out, and uh, I don't fully disagree with it. Kenny Omega beating people like Brian Danielson uh, as long as you don't wait too long, that's the type of thing that builds up Hangman when he does win. Uh, we just have to hope that that's sooner rather than later. But right now, I don't care about kayfabe. I don't care about storylines. I don't care about any of that shit. All I care about is that live and in person, I am going to see Kenny Omega, one of my favorite wrestlers, take on Brian Danielson, one of my favorite wrestlers, and it is an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, just wanted to make a quick point before we 
segue into Damien's favorite time of the year. Uh, it was announced today that the Owen Hart Foundation and AEW are partnering up to properly pay tribute to Owen. Uh, AEW will now be the exclusive licensee of all Owen Hart uh, material and memorabilia. Not only that, it's going to cultivate in a awesome tournament for the Owen Hart Trophy, a.k.a. the Owen, and that tournament will be sometime later in the fall. And it's being rumored to happen that not only will they receive the Owen, but they will also receive a title match as well. So maybe we're seeing a setup here for a revolution. Um, I'm sorry, full gear. A full gear uh, championship title match, and I can't think of anything better for Hangman to come back and kind of just give like a quick, you know, quick backup rise to the top card. I think this will give him a good shot, and it's also going to honor uh, one of the greatest befallen wrestlers of all time. Whether this ends up being a, a single elimination tournament akin to the types that they did uh, when Kenny ended up winning the AW championship. Uh, or whether it will be around Robin Moore akin to the G1 is uh, yet to be determined. But like Ryan said, uh, and this is another thing that while it would, I think, be pretty easy to dismiss this as a, you know, a craven corporate attempt to capitalize on the legacy of one of the saddest stories in wrestling. I think that the monumental status of an announcement like this probably shouldn't be overlooked because and and mainly that's because uh, let's say that WWE were the ones that did this and they announced the Owen Hart Memorial Trophy right I don't think you'd be getting anybody saying this oh you're just capitalizing on Owen you'd probably be getting the same reactions and but you'd expect it because it's WWE so the fact that oh that that Owen's uh, widow, the fact that the foundation is choosing instead to go with AEW is, of course, to no surprise as, as uh, Owen's widow has been very, very vocal that she has wanted nothing to do with WWE for a long time. And you can. And that's OK. And guys, that's fine. And it, does, okay. it doesn't matter if you blame Vince, if you think it was a horrible accident, the, the circumstances are irrelevant because. It's not about she wants nothing to do with wrestling. It's it's the company that her husband died in, and maybe she just doesn't want that. And so while this seems obvious, uh, it is a big deal. And what better way to, to memorialize Owen than to create a tournament that hopefully will be defined by the same type of wrestling, not necessarily stylistically, but the same caliber of wrestling, uh, that Owen gave in all of his performances uh, and just get some great technical, high-octane, entertaining matches, culminate it with a trophy, a title shot. Um, I like it. I like everything about it. And, you know, for AEW, uh, talking about craven corporate nonsense, you know, they now get to utilize his likeness and his merchandise in their video games and shit. And that's fucking wild. That like yeah it you, is you're gonna see Owen Hart in a video game and it's not gonna be a WWE game that's like crazy I think they're gonna do well I think they're gonna do a very tasteful job with it they're not gonna have like come get your Owen Hart mini erasers but they're gonna like you know 
But also what I was realizing this about the video games too is that they could just use everybody from the territory days. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it would just perfectly fit. And I think it would be very appropriate for this tournament to contain some uh, New Japan folk uh, from, you know, Owen's time there when he, in his rookie days. That would really be the, yeah, if, if the world allows for it. Uh, and, you know, Japan is starting to lift some of their restrictions starting in October. Mm-hmm. Whether that will uh, lead to travel restrictions being raised or not uh, would be remain to be seen. But, yeah, absolutely. Another great way to honor his legacy as, as a, a world-renowned wrestler uh, on multiple continents. Absolutely. Also, if it's very possible, one last note here. Please have it in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I... Uh, I, I do hope that AEW can can run some things in. Where are they from? They're not from Winnipeg, right? Uh, the Hearts. Yeah, Calgary, Alberta. Cal- right, right. Stampede, Stampede. Of course. Um, yeah. So, so just uh, you know, it's uh, it's a crazy time to be alive as a wrestling fan, and uh, you know, AEW is not hitting every single thing out of the park, but they've made it exciting, and uh, Impact's doing great shit. You know, Josh Alexander, they had their uh, their pay-per-view recently. We won't talk about it here, but um, I believe either Victory Bound for Glory, I think, is the next thing coming up where Josh Alexander has uh, used, what the fuck is it called? Uh, not Plan C. Do you remember? It's the thing where, like, they let the X Division champion uh, basically cash in the X Division championship for a... a World Heavyweight Championship title match. What they call it, I don't know specifically, but it's, yes, it's that something. Is a, it's uh, something C. It's I don't remember what. That's something an old, C. Yeah, that's an old rule they did, which is kind kind of cool. So, so Josh Alexander is going to be taking on Christian Cage for the Impact Championship, and hopefully wins it out. But point being, uh, it's just uh, it's it's crazy to see the shit that's happening uh, all over America. Um, the way that the industry is booming right now, in spite of everything. And, uh, you know, AEW, for better or worse, they're in the heart of it right now. And the momentum, the, the wind is in their sails. And what happens next is entirely on them. And <clears throat> all I know is in two days, I'm going to see some fucking shit. And I'm ready for it. There we fucking go. And now, without further ado, the G1. G1 Climax 31 has finally come upon us. And look, if you've been listening to this show, we've been talking about the G1 since it started. I think we narrowly missed doing a proper review of uh, 29. However, we, of course, did one for 30, and we're doing one now. Uh, This G1 is not what I wish it could have been. Of course, um, people like Jay White, Will Ospreay, um, a lot of their Gaijin talent not over here right now. And that yeah. is very unfortunate. Unfortunately, I think we were at this point last year, which is also hard to believe that you know our last G1 show is about a year ago, if not like to the day almost. Yeah. But uh, I think we were speculating at that time. Oh, well, let's just wait for next year. And, you know, we can only just sit back. And it's not a bad card. It's pretty fucking awesome reviewing it today. But, I mean, let's hope next year, please. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? what let, so 
while there were, you know, it's less that, oh man, the G one's going to suck and more that you wish some of the people that have been getting pushed and you, you expected to be there would be, but next year we, we hope and pray to the gods that be that we get some normalcy because remember Brian Danielson, that man wants to work a G one Alistair black, Malachi black. That man wants to work a G one. All yeah, right, we, I don't think we were at Forbidden Door Point with AEW at this time last year. We were year, not. No, no, certain, we were not. Certainly when it did happen, we were just like, oh, fuck, G1 is going to be stacked this year. And that's fine because the G1, uh, the first two nights have already happened. And if you were worried that it was not going to be what you wanted because the crowd can't make, uh, they can't scream and they can't, and you don't get some of your favorite gaijin. I promise, don't worry. They are just fine. So, of course, right, the G1, just for anybody uh, living under a rock or for anybody unaware, the G1 Climax is, of course, uh, the largest round-robin tournament that they have. Uh, it is their most important tournament of the year. Separated into two blocks. Uh, everybody faces each other once. A win gets you two points, a draw one point, a loss no points. Whoever ascends from both blocks takes each other on in one final bout. And whoever wins that gets the G1 Climax Trophy and briefcase, guaranteeing them in, uh, well, guaranteeing them a championship match. It has typically been the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, now World Heavyweight Championship. However, it was once used for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, just curious, has there ever are they pretty straightforward with the points? There's nothing usually ever crazy happen. Has there ever been an instance, for example, where someone was almost left for dead and they went on an insane run to get to the championship or to the title? Um, you know, like the main event. Things have happened like that before, um, and like it, it's not always assured that whoever wins the G one is going to have you know a thousand points. Uh, when Naito won it, I'm trying to think if he won it in 2010 or 2008, let's see if I could find it. Uh, he, uh, when he won it, he won it with like 12 points. Um, so it's not always like, oh, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely going to happen, uh, that they're going to like sweep the block. And yeah, there have absolutely been times where, somebody will come back uh, seemingly left for dead or vice versa starts out. Usually it's more likely you get the, they start out incredibly strong and then they, they fizzle out and they get fucked. Um, so yeah, absolutely happens. So booking is absolutely not straightforward. This is not a tournament that you can just uh, look at and be like, Oh, well the star power is not on this guy. There's no way they win. No, uh, I quickly that- learned that. I learned two things that uh, <laughs> not what you expect is going to happen. And Toru Yano will most assuredly get a win over the last person you think he would get a win over. Yano will fuck you. Yano will <laughs> fuck your blocks every time. And you will smile and say, thank you, Master Thief. Uh, so, yeah. So, this time around, we have got uh, 10 competitors. I'm sorry, nine competitors. Yeah, 10 competitors. Wait, am I, am I stupid here? Hold on. One, two, three. Yes. Ten competitors uh, per block, A block and B block. <clears throat> so, for the A block, we've got Kota Ibushi, 
Yujiro Takahashi, Toroyanu, Kenta, Tatsuya Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., Great Okan, Tangaloa, Shingo Takage, and Tamahiro Ishii. And for the B block, we've got Hiroki Goto, Taichi, Yoshihashi, Evil, Jeff Cobb, Chase Owens, Sonata, Tamatanga, Kazuchika Okada, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, typically, the undercard of the G1s would have tag matches where uh, if it was an A block night, the B block competitors might face each other in a tag match or vice versa. However, they did away with that last year, and this year so far, uh, they had show facing the new young lions and kicking the ever-loving shit out of them, which I don't hate. And if I'm being honest, while the tag matches are certainly always fun, it's a lot of wrestling you're going to have to get through if you want to watch the G1 proper. And so any time that you can save is worth saving because you'll run yourself ragged otherwise. Um, now, so what makes this interesting is some people speculated that perhaps, uh, as has happened in the past, they might put a couple of juniors in there. Uh, but they did not do anything like that. Unfortunately, uh, it would have been really cool, especially with uh, Hiromu coming back and uh, losing his challenge to Robbie Eagles for the Junior Heavyweight Championship in what was, by the way, a great match and one that I was happy that Hiromu lost, not because I dislike Hiromu, but because the junior division desperately needs stars and Robbie Eagles is fucking great and Hiromu needs to build himself back up. But nonetheless, no juniors. It would have been nice to see someone like him or, or Desperado in it. But uh, what is interesting is you have a few people that have not been in a G1 by themselves before. Great Okan, of course. Uh, this is his first go-around. Uh, I believe, I believe, Tangaloa has never been in his own uh, G1. Tamatanga has but i do not believe tangaloa ever has so uh this should be his first g1 as well this is jeff cobb's third straight since uh you know coming back uh chase owens this is going to be his first time in the g1 uh and so and, and and tom is not somebody that is always in it so so it's it's definitely some interesting stuff going on in there it's a shame that you couldn't get like hinare from the United Empire in there, but uh, he cannot travel. But be that as it may, we're not here to talk about what we couldn't do. We're here to talk about what we are doing. Now, Ryan, when you look at these blocks and you look at the people that are in them, what are some of the things that stick out? Do you feel that one block is stronger than the other, or is do you feel that there's one block that you, are, uh, you think might be a little bit more up for grabs or more interesting to you? Definitely the second one is more up for grabs. I think the first one, if I have to, like, choose a show like if this was like an event on itself with each night i'd probably go to night one but that doesn't take away from the fact that fucking we have evil and sonata in the second block we got chef cobb we got uh the guy from sailor moon uh, <laughs> in this uh and of course the fucking legendary ran i knew they were gonna fucking do this ran one matchup of okada and tanahashi uh both solid I'd probably stick with the A block, though. Definitely. Just as a, just as a casual fan. No, absolutely. When you look at this, uh, the A block cont uh, containing uh, Naito, Ibushi, Shingo, Ishii, ZSJ, uh, the star power 
Well, there's star power on both sides, but definitely the A block is, is I think, the one that you would probably and arguably call this is the strongest. You have a lot of main event caliber players there. I feel like they kind of did that last year, too, where they had a, they had a kind of a more dominant block between yes, the other one. But for also, sure. that also sets up for the other one to not be... Uh, probably not paid attention is the incorrect term, but like for it to really just grab you by surprise which it may over deliver and and the under, because, under promise over deliver there you go absolutely and and in a block with 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 uh ibushi and naito and shingo just those three in it um you know you have a lot of people that you're like you know do i really think that you you're you're assuming all three of those they're gonna win over half their matches especially shingo being champion so uh, the uh, it leaves not as much as the B block does. Where the B block, you have Okada and Tana, and then you don't call them bit players, but you have it's much more open. Where you're like, I don't really know what's going to happen. I, you know, I wonder what surprises are going to get, and I wonder who gets built up here. Um, so for night one, okay, for the A block, and this has already happened. You had Ibushi versus Takahashi. So wait, wait, wait. Should we set it up like this because you already know the results? I do. Do you not? I do not. Okay. I have not had the opportunity to watch them. So would you like me to choose who I think won each night and then you do a rundown and see if I was correct? That's yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so why don't I'll tell you the matches. Okay. And you tell me who you think won once okay. I'm finished. All right. So for Go. the A block for night one, and uh the first matches were over the weekend here, okay? So these were uh in Osaka Joe Hall. And um by the way, the atmosphere was fucking great. Japan is ready for the G1, and they were making noise whether they were supposed to or not, and those hands must be hurting. Uh, like I mentioned, there is talk that in October they may start lifting regulations as the population continues to get vaccinated. Whether that means that you will see the Japanese government allow uh, the attendees to start using their voices or not is undetermined, however... The tournament's going to be running until October 20th. So there's potential. Okay, so from the bottom up, you had Kota Ibushi versus Yujiro Takahashi. You had Toriyano versus Kenta. The Great Okan versus Tangaloa. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tetsuya Naito. And the main event, Shingo Takage versus Tamahiro Ishii. So, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Who who do you, who did you expect? And we'll put those as your uh, your first picks. So, uh, for Shingo versus Ishii, I had Shingo going over. Okay. For Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr., I had Zack winning. Okay. For Yano versus Kenta, I did the deed, and I chose that Yano won this one. Okay. Great Okan versus Tangaloa, I got Okan. And for Ibushi versus Tacos, I had Ibushi winning. Well, Ryan, you will be happy to know that you went four or five. Nice. Which match do you think you got wrong? Sabre and Okada. Okada. I'm oh, sorry, Sabre and Naito. You are absolutely wrong. Uh, it was it Yano was... versus Kenta. <laughs> no. no? It, it was Yujiro Takahashi defeating Kota Ibushi. Wow, tacos, man. Yo, wow, that's fucking awesome. Yujiro Takahashi in night one as Kota Ibushi sets out for his his record third back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back G1 wins 
Takahashi defeats him in the opener. And look, it was a Takahashi match. There was fuckery, but not as much fuckery as you would expect. He kind of just beat him clean. He hit a pimp juice on Kota. Kota kicked out. And then he kind of hit like a paradigm shift. He hit like a standing pimp juice and hit Kota Ibushi for the one, two, three. Uh, yeah, I didn't have that one either, Ryan. I promise you that. Damn. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm surprised at myself then. That's fucking awesome. Uh, you did better than me, though. I went three of five. I thought Kenta take this one. However, I did forget that Kenta uh, got over on Yano last year. And so the Master Thief did Master Thief things and uh, took it over Kenta. Um, what was your favorite match of the night? You know what? It is... This is... It's for sure one of the last two. So ZSJ versus Naito, uh, those two are literally incapable of having a bad match. Can't do it. Doesn't doesn't happen. Their they their chemistry is off the chain. Um, it's a matter of what your style leads you to liking more. ZSJ versus Naito was a, a as ZSJ matches tend to be beautiful technical catches catch can submission based wrestling high octane. Naito and ZSJ have some of the best uh, cardio in the biz. And it was just fucking balls to the wall. Uh, ZSJ ultimately defeating Naito uh, like he did a few years ago. Uh, kind of a variety of the orienteering with Napalm Death, a kind of knee lock. Uh, I don't even know what to describe what ZSJ did to Naito on this. All I know is he tied him up like a goddamn pretzel and tapped <laughs> his ass pretzels. out. Uh, the windy man took that one and that was a fucking... That was probably my favorite match of the night, but... Shingo versus Ishii was like, God, it was so fucking, it was so aggressive. If you're the type of person that you're like, don't get, I don't want no submissions. I don't want no fucking technical wrestling. I just want beefy boys beating each other to hell. Yeah, that's Shingo and Ishii. Masterful selling by both of them. An absolutely wild last exchange before Shingo ultimately took it. Ishii just can't fucking have a bad match. Ishii and the G1 go together like fucking milk and coffee, man. Which goes back to our discussion a couple of weeks ago when we talked about how Meltzer regarded him as one of the best of all time. And it's not necessarily a, a star power and, you know, his culmination, but his ability and his work rate uh, just is consistent as fuck. And he's Absolutely. always going to deliver in every match. Absolutely. And, uh, if you know us, you don't need me to tell you that as far as I'm concerned, Shingo might just be the greatest wrestler on the fucking planet doing it right now. Uh, he is also incapable of having a bad match, and he is he is bringing some much-needed stability and 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 re with re due respect to Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay, who are, of course, superstars, some much-needed prestige to the World's Heavyweight Championship, which to this point has been bogged down with misfortune and questionable booking. Is that because he's someone different that is the usual star power and it's refreshing to see someone who is not in that uh, upper echelon of people to carry it so well in the last year? And I also think that Shingo is in some ways a little bit less controversial than Ibushi and Osprey in terms of their styling. So, of course, as Ibushi and Osprey both became heavyweights, they dialed down a little bit of the high flying and focused more on their speed and power. Um, but look, at the end of the day, it's hard to wipe some of that away for some people. So some people will always view Ibushi and Osprey as spot monkeys, regardless of, of whether that's actually true, which 
for my money, it is not. I think if you call them spot monkeys, you're not watching their matches anymore. But Shingo is very much a person who has, in a lot of ways, old school style wrestling. Uh, he's coming from Dragon Gate. And Shingo already being one of the most legendary Japanese wrestlers, the ace of Dragon Gate, uh, getting and frankly getting a run that nobody expected. Everybody figured it was a matter of time before Ibushi would finally win the big one once he finally signed with New Japan. Osprey was a no-brainer. Of course Osprey was and will continue to be a, a main event guy. But Shingo, you weren't really sure if New Japan was was ever really gonna be willing to pull the trigger for him. And they did, and the fact that they happen to do it with somebody whose style is pretty immediately accessible and easy to digest for new and old fans is, I think, really what what makes the difference right now. And simply the fact that he's he's not the guy that got rid of one of the most popular titles in history, and he is not somebody that got injured not long after you know finally winning it. So I think those those are the variables as well that you have to take into account. Um. But yeah, the action here was spectacular. Honestly, people really don't like Yujiro, but I thought his match with Kota was pretty fun. Great Okan versus Tangaloa was a great Hoss match, um, and Great Okan continues to be one of my favorite up-and-coming folks on the roster. There is no time that Yano will not be entertaining to me, and Kenta, uh, you know, people sleep. Kenta, on top of being an incredible wrestler, is hysterical. Kenta has such great deadpan comedic energy, and he just works with Yano so well. That him uh, actually losing this match worked. Absolutely. And listen, nobody, uh, you, there's no such thing as losing shine if you lose to Yano in the G1. I don't think there's a superstar on the roster who has been a main event guy that did not lose to Yano in the G1. Uh, so there's no shame in it. But uh, I think we just view. Yanu is such a comedic character that we just yes. kind of always forget that he's a good wrestler. <laughs> he's a good wrestler, and more importantly, he's funny. And like, even if you don't like his shtick, he's pretty creative with how he tries to win these matches. And like, the joy of a G1 Yano match is not, oh my god, you're going to get a clinic. Although, the last time you really saw Yano wrestle wrestle was two years ago against Ishii. And him in the same block, you might get that again. Uh, but he just he's a much needed breath of fresh air where the G1 is so high octane. They need a little bit of fucking comedy. And Dude, Yano, you have, you have so many dark brooding characters in New Japan. You just like need a guy. Yeah, like you need a guy with a QR code. Exactly. You need a QR code on a T-shirt and a DVD in your face. That's what you need. Oh sometimes. My God. So Damien purchased me a Yanu T-shirt, which is fucking awesome. But I was wearing it over the weekend at the bachelor party. And there was a QR code on it. And I'm like, David, what is the QR code for? He's like, eh, it probably just leads to his DVDs or something like that. Sure enough, I think it's one of the best Cardi moves to <laughs> advertise yourself on a t-shirt in such a creative way. It and takes you why... straight to Yanu's YouTube where he puts together the chaos videos that you can purchase on Amazon for the low, low price of $50. And that's why he is our king. That is why he's our king. So, so not as bad as you expected there. So let's let's uh, let's make sure that you go ahead and put that on your your pickums there. So you're doing you're off to a pretty hot start now for the B block. Ryan also in Osaka Joe Hall. You had from the bottom up again. <clears throat> you started out with Yoshihashi versus Evil, followed then by Jeff Cobb versus Chase Owens, followed by Sonata versus Tamatanga. 
followed by Haruki Goto versus Taichi. And then finally, the main event, of course, as if it could be anything else, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kasuchika Okada. So, Ryan, who did you have for these? So, this one's actually going to be a little harder for me because I'm not as familiar with some of the names. Not the names, but, like, their work rate and their current position in New Japan. Yep. Uh, I have Jeff Cobb going over Chase Owens. Chase Owens just always seems to be in these tournaments, and I don't know what they're doing with him in particular. But (laughs) if I'm wrong in this case, I would not be surprised. Uh, I had... I have Yoshihashi going over Evil. Okay. I have Tana going over Okada. Wow. Sonata over Tamatanga and Taichi over Goto. Okay, so yeah, Taichi over Goto, Yoshihashi versus e- over Evil, Jeff Cobb over Owens, Tana over Okada, and Sonata over Tama. Pretty good again, Ryan. Three out of five. Okay. Which fair. ones are the things that you got wrong? I think I got. Yoshihashi versus Evil Raw. Unfortunately, you are correct. Now, okay. I also had Yoshihashi going over Evil, mainly because uh, Evil's heel turn was 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 really started in the New Japan Cup last year. Uh, and he absolutely decimated Yoshihashi, like just embarrassed him and brutalized him. And they met in last year's... Uh, G1 as well, I believe. And Yoshiashi had a very spirited attempt, but could not overcome evil. So I expected this to be Yoshiashi's comeuppance, especially seeing as how when evil faced him before, uh, Yoshiashi was still kind of the like weird joke mid Carter that like screams a lot and is weird and like isn't necessarily a bad wrestler, but isn't really a good wrestler either. Um, Evil did end up taking this one. However, this match was a lot of fun. Yoshihashi, since winning the Never uh, Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championships, he has been the linchpin of that chaos team with him, Goto, and Ishii. And Yoshihashi has done... It's got to be the best work of his life. And that team, and Yoshihashi specifically, with it being his first ever title win in New Japan, has really elevated those belts to something that you want. I think they're on like their 12th or 13th defense. They've held the belts over a year. Uh, They've been great ambassadors for it. Uh, And Yoshihashi had a lot of moments towards the end where I really thought he was going to get over on evil. But... Of course, with it being an evil match, Dick Togo came in and some low blows were hit and evil ended up taking it. What was the other match that you think you got wrong? Did Goto go over Taichi? No, Taichi won and I'm glad that he did. Uh, Did... Okay, well, let me ask the obvious one. Did Okada beat Tanahashi? That's the one, yeah. Now, I don't blame you for picking Tana as wacky as that would seem if you followed their their rivalry and their careers you know Tana his knees fucking giving out on him out for one last ride Okada still in the prime of his life uh however Tana for the last you know really since the pandemic started it, even a little bit before has really been on the run of his life really just like giving it his all that this really does he's not going to retire but this does feel like Tana's last go round as an undisputed main event guy. Uh, be mainly just because his body won't be able to. Okada did win this one. Um, and I only picked that because, as you just described, is that maybe this is the waning moments of his career. 
Yeah. I figured they would give him one. I don't expect him to win the whole thing, but I figured that they may give him one, like, uh, Titanic win. Give so, him a marquee moment over Okada. Right. No, listen, it's, uh, it's, it's solid reasoning. And that match very nearly went to a draw. Okada finally um, leaning heavily into the Rainmaker persona, getting his wide shot and everything. He beat Tana. I think the official call was the match went 29 minutes and 36 seconds. And these are all 30-minute matches. We were right there to a draw. This match was as class, uh, just another classic entry in what has to be, if not the greatest, then a top three greatest rivalries in the history of the promotion. Um, Tana is just proving that age really is just a number. And even if you have a broken down body and you're in pain all the time, uh, his his storytelling in the ring and his ability to just fucking go and connect with the crowd is unparalleled. But more importantly, what this is showing here is Okada is done sitting on the sidelines. He's done not really knowing what he's doing. And it's time for him to reclaim the Rainmaker. And it's time for Okada to be the ace that he is. And that's really what we're seeing here. So three for five there, Ryan. Pretty good. That's a pretty good start for you. So, I will start with you. Just looking at the blocks, wait, you know. Wait, do you, uh, what was the other match I got wrong? You got three out of five. So you got you got. Um, oh, okay. Never mind. You okay, got cool. You you got, got Okada. Got, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think so. Chase Owens beat Cobb. I was like, what the fuck? No, no, no. <laughs> like I said, Chase Owens has never been in a G one, but Chase Owens is almost always the like third or fourth guy on the Bullet Club tag teams. And like at one point in time, I think Chase Owens was like, he had like the most pinfalls in the company a few years ago uh, because he got like a lot of like undercard pins in these tag matches. But uh, yeah, no, Jeff Cobb is being built like an absolute monster. And uh, the Texas heavyweight champion had no fucking shot against him. Um, my money, I have Chase Owens not winning a single fucking match. So that's that's where I'm no, that's, that's where I'm at with Chase. All right. Uh so Ryan, right? Ryan is gonna flesh out his brackets here. And obviously, if if we were to go through our entire brackets, it would take forever. We're not gonna do that. So instead, we'll ask the simple questions and the most important questions. Ryan, who do you see coming out of each block and who do you expect to win? Or who do you want to win? How many people do I think? pick out of the block so one one person's coming out of each block okay and then they're facing each other and whoever wins that one match is the g1 champion god i'd love if shingo fucking came out of the a block i really would and listen he's the champion you can't really think he's gonna lose more than twice because remember an added component of this you will see on my bracket here little c's next to people because at the bottom we have who the champions are Remember, anytime these champions are defeated in these matches, as far as New Japan is concerned, that person has now booked themselves the right to face them for whatever their title is, right? So anytime Shingo loses, Shingo is going to have to face that person most likely in a championship match leading up to Wrestle Kingdom. So not a bad bet for Shingo. Do you think it'll be Shingo? No, I think it's going to be... Kenta, dude. You think it's going to be Kenta? Okay. I think it's going to be Kenta. Where are you coming from with that pick? Get, take they me through your logic. the same four individuals in the top tier rest, uh, championship matches. Okay. Osprey aside, in the last 
two years, I feel. They only have so many events a year. And, That's fair. You know, I Kent is not a young chicken either. He's not. And I feel they were ready to strike on that when he uh, destroyed Naito after his big win two years ago. So if they want to continue that, I think that would be a good way to get him out of the A block and put him back up in that upper tier. A little bit of fresh blood. You're yeah. you're absolutely right. Ibushi, Okada, Naito, Jay White. Those are the folks that you've really seen in the main event uh, with, you know, Will Ospreay now Shingo side. So, okay, not a, not, a, not a bad bet. And who for the B block? The B block, the obvious answer is Okada here. Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say Okada will win. I can't really see anybody else coming up if they want to You think continue. this is his moment, okay. Yeah. If they want to keep continuing to push Sonata, there you go. But I, I don't think, you know, I think the obvious answer would be Okada. Okay. And between, so you have Okada and you've got Kenta facing each other. Uh, and the final is, I believe, slated for, let's just see when that would be. The final would be, where are you? Where's my G1? October 21st, the day after the B Block Finals at the Tokyo, uh, at the Nippon Budokan. So who do you see going over, if you are correct, between Okada and Kenta? Okada. Okada. Yeah. So Ryan here is calling that Kazuchika Okada is going to finally get back to the finals of the G1, go over, and win what I believe will be his third. Yes, the last time that he won, keep in mind, was back in 2014. Okay? Uh, for my money... I think you are 100% spot on. Uh, I do believe that Okada will advance from the B block. And I have the additional uh, caveat that I believe Okada is only going to lose one match and draw once, um, leaving him with 17 points and officially breaking uh, the points record. Who has the record, Uh, Tana? uh, It's a tie. There are a few people that have had 16 points. Um... At one point, I believe uh, Nakamura had 16. Uh, Hiroshi, Tanaha, Tanahashi in 2018 had 15. Um, yeah, uh, sh- yeah, Shinsuke, Kazuchika Okada, and AJ all had 16 in 2014. So I believe that they will give him the overall points record. And I absolutely think that Okada will advance from the B block. For the A block, I'm going Tetsuya Naito on this one. I have Naito and Shingo drawing at 14 points apiece. The only people that I have beating Shingo are Naito and Ibushi. I believe that uh, Shingo will end up facing Ibushi on the road to Wrestle Kingdom because they were slated to have a match before Ibushi came down with some horrific form of pneumonia that took him away and led to the evil match instead. Uh, or the Tanahashi match, rather. So I do believe that Ibushi will get his win over Shingo. And I believe that Naito will get his win, his uh, first singles win over Shingo since becoming champion, giving him the tiebreaker. So I have at the Nippon Budokan Tetsuya Naito and Kazuchika Okada with Okada going over. Um, I believe that New Japan desperately needs these gates to keep them going while the attendance is forced to be uh, lowered in all of these big seat arenas. And there are are few matches that will draw people in 
more than Naito and Okada, one of the most legendary feuds of the last decade for their promotion. Uh, however, right, Dark Horse is here, right? Give me one other person with the A block or B block that you think, hey, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. They, I could see that happening. Okan, baby. Great Okan. You know what? I I also believe that Okan and Jeff Cobb are going to have fantastic performances. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. What's your reasoning? Well, you know, just a simple distinction is that I think they've been uh, giving him the spotlight in the last year or so. And again, they need to start building up their next generation. And he's certainly amazing look, uh, great style. He's in a great faction. And I think it would be a slam dunk if they decided to. I, I wouldn't hate it if they decided to do that. And it seems like I wanted to pick him to begin with. But uh, he, like he's just overshadowed by a few individuals in A block. But yeah, I could definitely see Ocon doing it. I don't. I don't hate that. I. I also think that that's a smart pick. And what about for the B block? I'd go with Cobb. Yeah. Okay. I'd go with Cobb. Uh, Sonata would also be my my dark horse as well. Yeah. Sonata getting back to the finals for the second year. Um. Definitely. Definitely in the realm of possibility there. Um. And yeah, like I said, I have Jeff Cobb having a great tournament as well. It is clear that New Japan really, really wants United Empire to be strong. Uh, as evidenced by the booking for all three of their members. Uh, Hinari um, was starting to get that push before he had to stay. I think he... I think he has to... Is he staying in Australia? I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know that that's why he's not here. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're obviously wanting to make sure that they establish United Empire as a big deal. So, I don't hate that either. Uh, and who would be your Dark Horse winner? Right. Just, you know, it doesn't matter who faces who. If it's not Okada, who do you think you could plausibly see winning it all? I guess since I mentioned before Kenta, is he really a dark horse, though? I would call him a dark horse. His performances in the last two years were not necessarily spectacular. And Kenta has only had that one uh, shot against Naito right after turning heel. So I would I would call him a dark horse for sure. I don't know whether or not I build up Ishii bigger than he is in New Japan. I I would kind of see him maybe getting a good run. Zack Sabre Jr. I think would be a fucking not a bad pick either, man. I I believe that Zack Sabre Jr. I, I first off I think his character works extremely well for him. Smarmy, he's a dick. He but he's <laughs> talented and he's he's, he's the type people, of he's a people's dick. He's a people's dick and he's a little bit like. Uh, when Kurt was a heel, where not to say that Kurt would never cheat or ever be cowardly, but like Kurt was happy to be a heel that would just tap your ass out clean. And ZSJ is very much the same way. You don't catch him with weapons all that often or low blows. He'd rather just embarrass you. I could see Sabre Jr. kind of just loving the heat if he ever was were to do an American-type uh, promo. Whereas uh-huh. Kurt was a great example there because Kurt just absolutely knew what to do, what buttons to push. I think Sabre Jr. really has that mentality and that drive and that instinct to do that as well. That's a great comparison right there. I absolutely agree. Um, yeah, no, all, all of those picks are very solid dark horses. So for me, I think if they weren't going to have Naito go out, I could 100% see Shingo or Kota going for a third if they were trying to make sure that they got a draw. But 
ZSJ, if they ever wanted to make Zack Sabre Jr. a face, a proper face, like Jay White, I fully believe that Zack Sabre Jr. has what it takes to be the most over face in the company. I really do. He's very over with the Japanese. He gets their crowds very well. He speaks just enough Japanese that he can connect a little bit uh, linguistically. His mannerisms, his style, it all works. Uh, For the B block, if they weren't going to go Okada, I could see some crazy Tanahashi run, like you said. Give him that one last, like, maybe he's got some juice and then that's, like, his crowning achievement. Um, You know what? I, I don't hate Jeff Cobb. I don't hate that as an option. It is clear that they are ready to really give him a mega push and... They don't need him to talk. They don't need him to cut a promo. They just need him to go out there and be an incredible worker, which he is. So do I, think, I don't. Do you think he could go a distance in the eventual Okada match? I do, and let's remember he just went over on Okada not that long ago. True. So uh, they clearly do not feel that there is anybody right now that's particularly out of his league. Um, so I don't. I don't hate any of that, Ryan. Uh. I'm not sure they'll ever feel that way about Kenta. His his body's pretty bruised up these days. But if they did it for Shingo, no reason they couldn't do it for one of the greatest juniors in wrestling history. Um, And then I guess the only other question would be, do you think you will see what you saw last year and have somebody win the briefcase off of the winner like Jay White did to Naito. No, I think they're going to go a solid route because you got to remember they got to fucking factor in Osprey here eventually, uh, which I hope culminates. Give me my triple threat. Give me my triple threat. Wrestle Kingdom main event, baby. <laughs> they have to do it. Like I know that's such an American trope and such a fucking. I guess it's a cowardly way to 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 book yourself and you know just to sure you get that match. But we have to factor him coming back regardless. Uh, Absolutely. In what manner. He will. Uh, the only, the only. All right, let me correct myself. The only way I could see that happening again would be that he gets the briefcase. You know, whether or not his title is going to be officially recognized. Interesting. Um, so Interesting. I could, see, I could see him getting the the briefcase off of somebody. Whoa, Ryan, Ryan, my dear boy, I have not even considered that as a as a possibility. Typically, the person who faces the the G1 winner will have to defend their briefcase against whoever beat them in the championship, right? Or or, or in the G1. So, for example, if we were correct that Okada won, uh, just going off of my bracket, I have Okada losing to Evil and drawing with Sonata. I could absolutely, you know, Evil would then have a right to challenge Okada for the briefcase. But... Will Ospreay currently parading around a replica of the World Heavyweight Championship saying, I never lost this. Shingo is a fake uh, fake competitor, especially if the briefcase happens to be held by somebody like Okada, who Ospreay has history with. I could absolutely see Ospreay coming back and being like, I'm not waiting till Wrestle Kingdom. I want that briefcase. I'm taking that and I'm going to face Shingo. You know what? Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And I I would not be shocked to see something like that happening. In the meantime, though, Osprey's over in RevPro. He just um, recruited Aussie Open, I believe they are, in RevPro um, to become members of the United Empire. Stop touching your microphone or I'm going to throw it out. Uh, 
and he uh he is promising that for autumn attack in new japan uh that he will have a special partner and most likely will be recruiting another member to united empire there so yeah he's gonna be coming in with some heat i don't hate that um overall look the g1 i say this every single time every single time we talk about it the best wrestling in the world is in new japan pro wrestling and more specifically, the best wrestling in the world is in the G1 Climax. Every single night, you will find at least one match that you're like, damn, is that the best match I've seen this month? Is this the best match I've seen all year? We already have had three possible contenders for match of the year, and they have had two fucking nights. It's yeah, an unbelievable time. It truly is, and you are absolutely correct with that, is that when you are surprised by the g1 it fucking surprises you two more times in addition to that and Uh, and 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 the crowd is clearly going to make sure they give everything they've got to make sure these performers hear them every step of the way mm -hmm. and the tenacity of these japanese crowds to try and fight through only being able to stamp uh, to stomp and clap and still provide an atmosphere when Takahashi pinned Ibushi, there was an incredibly audible "oh" from the crowd. And as much as I wish that those that the, these crowds could just really express themselves, those moments make these moments so much more impactful. Because in those moments, the whole crowd went "uh-uh, fuck the government regulations." I'm saying "whoa" to this wrestling shit. This is crazy right now. And that's what it's all about. It's all about a fucking markout moment. Absolutely, brother. Very excited for this. Um, so of course you can catch the G1 climax on New Japan, uh, New Japan World. They may be running some sort of a special right now. They typically do around either the G1 or around Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, let's see. It might be. It might not be. But look, I don't need to shill for a billion yen corporation, but. New Japan World's the my favorite streaming app. It leaves a lot to be desired in functionality sometimes, but like if you're if there's ever a time to buy it, it's Wrestle Kingdom or G1. So consider it. Consider tuning into the best wrestling in the world. Um and that's that's what there is to talk about. As far as I'm concerned, you got Grand Slam, you got the G1, you got Extreme Rules coming up. Um the biggest deal about Extreme Rules is you're going to get Finn Balor as the demon versus Roman and Ryan. I'd love to tell you that I'm excited and I am, I am. I, I love you're the not, fucking demon, you're not, but say you're not, damn it. <laughs> I'm fucking scared is what I am. Like I, without risking sounding like a hypocrite as much as I love what Roman's done this whole past year. Do I really want him beating the demon just so he can like drop the belt to Brock in Saudi Arabia? That might not happen either. That's going to happen, isn't it? It's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, look, we had to we had to realize this with as much praise as we have given the run. And I think we're both in agreement here that they need to find some way to have it end in WrestleMania next year. That's out the window. Uh, but, we, but we had to come to terms with that. Some people were going to... Uh, be used and to our dismay lose matches against him uh 
I think just in Finn Bauer's case, you just have to look at it that he's he's back in the title scene again. Roman meaning demon, though, that's a tough pill to swallow. That that's that's all I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? It's not about like, oh, why why won't Roman drop the belt to Finn? That's fine. It's not even about what the fuck, why is Roman gonna drop it to Brock? You know what I'm saying? Like Brock looks like a million bucks right mm-hmm. now. He looks like a fucking serial killer. And I don't really like I I know that we've talked a lot of shit about these Brock runs, but like look, he's been away from the from the title scene for like how long now? He's also Two due a face run because he needs to come back to that character from back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, I want like I want not fun loving Brock, but I want like I'll fucking kill you, but I also have a personality, Brock, which right. is what he and showed. He does. You know, he's not just Mr. MMA. But let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Survivor Series. Who is Big E facing? Brock? You think they're going to do that? So here's the thing, right? The, the the reason that you really think, like, are are they really going to have um, the demon beat Roman is you got Big E as champion. And of course, right? I mean, who am I kidding? That's the thing we haven't actually spoken That's about. Right. Is that Big E is WWE champion. And it was organic. And while I think it would have been really cool to have like a New Day versus Bloodline feud for the belt, he cashed in on Bobby after Bobby absolutely fucking decimated Kofi. Uh, it's the first time in WWE history that um, the championship was won by a black man off of a black man. Um, this is also coming off of Bianca versus Sasha. So, like, um, it's historic, it's monumental, and Biggie is one of the most, if not the most deserving uh, person on this roster to finally get that singles push that we've all been clamoring for. And let me not try to like poo-poo on that parade. It was done well. It was simple. They, You can say it's because they got spooked by AEW narrowly beating them in a demo. You can, It doesn't matter. It doesn't Good. matter. I hope Who that cares? was the reason. hope that was the fucking reason. Hope, I hope it was it. because it was, it was easy. You announced that something was going to happen, and then it happened. Everyone went, oh, man, that's so fucking cool, because I don't always need to be swerved. Sometimes I'm okay to just be like, yeah, give me the storyline I want. That's what I'm asking for with Hangman and Kenny. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's here like, oh, man, is is Hangman going to win? Like, we're all assuming he's going to, because we don't really want to be worked. We want that storyline to come to a conclusion. When you watched Breaking Bad, were you expecting everybody to have happy endings and everybody's going to? No, you want you knew what the story was going and you wanted to see it, you know? Um. I realized I'm trying to not spoiler Breaking Bad, and that show ended like seven years ago. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not playing this game where people are like you screwed it. They haven't caught it by now. Fuck you. You Go watched on. that show when you Go watched on. Breaking Bad. Did you actually watch it being like, oh man, Walt's definitely gonna get out of this alive? No, you knew he was gonna fucking die. You just wondered how. Right, and that's fine. That's fine. That's good storytelling too. Biggie absolutely deserves this his singles run has been fucking phenomenal he's back with the new day again please don't break them up please don't break them up please don't, don't, don't break them up dude. please don't, don't break them up uh but but to the point finn versus biggie probably be a hell of a fucking match what do i think people in wwe want they probably want Big E versus Roman or versus Brock more than they want him versus Finn. And that's probably that's just what it is. That's uh, fair. I mean, like, that's not, you know, 
That's not even like the smart Mark answer. That's like, you know. It's the I get it answer. I yeah. fucking love Finn. He's an absolute superstar, but I understand why you might prefer that it be Big E versus Roman or Brock. I, I, I get it. Um, So I don't know. All I know is I really don't want the demon to lose. Like, I don't care if the demon beats Roman and Brock fucking beats him the next goddamn night. I re- I just don't really want the demon to lose. Let's see what happens. Maybe Brock fucks over Roman somehow and Finn wins the belt. And then Roman yeah, gets back or some shit like that. I would love a... Fu- When's the last time Brock was in a non-title feud? How long has it been since Brock was Dude, in a non-title related feud? I'm pissed that match is already in Saudi Arabia. Pray it's a non-title. They did that. Fine. Absolutely Good. fine. Cool. Awesome. Here for it. Let's see. But that's the thing. We can't be too can't be mm-mm. Mm-mm. Can't, be, can't be too pessimistic about this because we also have to factor in that. And uh God, if they fucking take it away from Biggie, I'm gonna riot. That'll be the final I, straw, Damien. Uh, that'll be the final straw. Mm, now to you here. They did it to be they did it to Bianca. And I was ready to throw my TV through a fucking wall. If they do it to Big E too, I will straight up just start banging the, I don't care. WWE's racist. That's what they are. That's what the company is. Sorry. Don't have to tell you. Pulling out the SpongeBob golden net box that he, he, the briefcase that he opens up. And it's Vince racist. Vince racist. <laughs> David's old old bullet in the chamber. You don't think I will. I fucking will. I will come on this goddamn show every week. I'll stop making it bi-weekly. I'll start making it bi-weekly where it's two times a week. Welcome to the most electrifying must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. Welcome to FFC. Vince McMahon is a fucking racist. I will do that for the next six months if I have to. You let Big E keep that goddamn championship, and you fucking you, you, you do that. You do that thing. That's what you do. We'll just Don't fuck see. on me. <laughs> we'll just have to see where Vince's wild ride takes us the next two months. Uh-huh. Anyway, wrestling's exciting. Hell uh, yeah. Hell fucking yeah, brother. Also, Lee, Lee Moriarty got signed to AEW a few, uh, month, maybe like a month ago. So I'm really hoping that at some point him and Wheeler Yuta get to run back their absolutely fucking incredible IWTV title match. Uh, anyway... Ryan, do you have a legend killer for us? I do. It's on your way. Let me know who this is. Sunglasses feels like cheating. Focus in on that nose and, and mouth. Uh, is this man... Is this man Japanese? No, this man is American. This man rarely had short hair in his career, if that helps you. What is he standing in front of? I thought it was the oh, NWA. Is, this N- is it NEWA? Yeah, NEWA. There you go. NEWA. All right. Give me a hint or two. Still active. Still act like active, active or um semi-active. Semi-active. Tag team. He's a tag team guy. That's not Tully, right? No, not Tully. No, no. Generation after him. Oh, gener. Okay, so we're talking like nine eighties, nineties, nineties, two thousands. 90s, 2000, really? 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Hmm. Has been in all three promotions, had one mainstay throughout his career. By all three, you mean ECW, WWE, WWE, WCW? But, sorry, by that I mean TNA, Impact, WWE, and AEW. He is an AEW guy currently. So AEW guy currently, tag team specialist, had long hair for a majority of his career. 
I might not get this. Uh, all right, I'll take one last guess and say, oh, fuck, he had long hair the majority of his career is in AEW currently. I really don't have anything on this. Uh, yeah, okay, I concede. One would call him extreme. That doesn't help me. Why doesn't that help team me? Team extreme. Tag team specialist. TLC. Oh. Really? TLC. That's Matt? That's Matt Hardy, baby. I guess his little tiny nose should have been the dead giveaway. His little tiny nose should have been the dead giveaway. That's correct. Yes, that is Matt Hardy in his I, beginning days as a pro wrestler. I just was reading something the other day, like, because I, I was. Somebody asked on Reddit, they were like, why. Why do people think it's enough to just blur out people's eyes for like uh, when they commit crimes or whatever? And it is because like if you cover up somebody's eyes, they basically become indistinguishable. I guarantee if you showed me the exact same picture with him without sunglasses, I'd be like, oh, it's Matt Hardy. Eh, Who am I kidding? I don't fucking know. As I give a little blurb about Matt, I will try to pull up a photo from this time and if i sent you this let me know if you were able to i mean obviously you know it is matt hardy but sure she no but i'll 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 try to look at it um so the great thing about matt hardy was is that he has been active for so long that this man ran a jobber match with the ringmaster steve austin he was 17 18 at the time they basically they basically knew um Oh, God, what's his fucking name? Freebird. Which one? Doc Hendricks, but that's not oh. his real name. Oh, uh, 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 God damn it. Michael Hayes. Yes, they knew Michael Hayes from their time in the Southern, uh, in the Southern wrestling scene, and they would go to WWE shows as this 18 and 16 year old Jeff and Matt Hardy. And be like, yeah, we're, we're over 18. Can you give us some matches? And they're like, yeah, sure. I think, so like, yeah. Matt Hardy at age 18 wrestled the ringmaster. That's how long this man has been active. They were also the doormen at the King of the Ring tournament. Another fun fact there. And yeah, still killing it. Matt Hardy, what, you know, tag team legend in the Hardy Boys. Uh, absolutely one of the best instances of revitalizing your career with the amazing te- uh, the amazing character work of Broken Matt Hardy. Still say to this day, that storyline was the hottest thing in the year and a Left for Dead promotion, pretty much. You know uh, what? I, uh, I think that when Matt first came on board to AEW, it's a little bit like... Eh. All right, you're just kind of shoving him in with the elites, kind of weird, whatever. But um, I actually think that the move to like big money Matt and like the Hardy front office has helped. I know some people think that it's like a little dull because as a result, Private Party are now like barely featured when they were like a top tag team, and you know Butcher and Blade. Although you know, obviously Andy Williams has been like rehabbing for a while, he's been hurt. Um. But I thought that Matt's match against Orange Cassidy was like, I, I, cause the last couple matches he wrestled, I was like, uh, Matt really can't move that well anymore. But I thought his match against Orange Cassidy, he was pretty fucking good. I was like surprised that he, I thought he looked good. He kind of um, couldn't really move during the Brookman Hardy stuff either. 
No, yeah, it's he just he and 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 in fairness, in fairness, Matt has been doing that like weird kind of like stutter walk. I think his whole life, right? Doesn't he have some sort of like thing in his knees that makes him walk like that or like well, a dude, back the leg thing? Drop. He just suffers the same thing that that obviously he's in a little better shape at this point in his career than Hogan was, but the leg drop just fucking absolutely destroyed him. Any up and yeah. wrestlers do not do the leg drop. You will fuck up your back for eternity. Yeah, see if if you had sent me this and like just just sent the face, yeah, I, I for sure would have been like, oh, that's Matt Hardy. So yeah. Obviously, it makes sense that you have to find something without the eyes. But you see what I'm saying? Like, you see how that absolutely looks like Matt Hardy. Yep. And I, I get obviously to you, the top one looks like Matt Hardy. But I was lost. Sun- sunglasses on? No idea who that is. Couldn't tell you. Um, but a good one. I can see it all the same. It's okay. I have the caveat that Ryan cheated and used sunglasses and is. Besmirching the the good name of uh, the legend killer. Well, I have an arsenal, pal. You just wait. Oh, I do not, you? I will not lose three times in a row ever, and I mean ever again. He, Ryan's gonna strictly send me pictures of people in fucking lucha masks. Here's a baby photo of a wrestler. I'm gonna give you Ooh. one guess. He's a wrestler. Guess oh, who who's it is. this? Who's this? You fucking idiot! You dumb! <laughs> you stupid! That's fair. Um, okay, well, listen, that's where we are today. So, Ryan, what have we been listening to? Let's take this home. A whole lot of good stuff. Uh, first, I have Thrice's Horizons East. Uh, new album? New album by Thrice. Ooh, nifty. Thrice has had a lot of interesting points in their career. Obviously, they were the smart man's metalcore band back in the uh, early 2000s. They completely revolutionized themselves, but they're also going this route too. They kind of took more of an indie route, more of a progressive indie route. Uh, certainly with Viesu was the first sign of this. And then, uh, of course, Beggars, which is one of my favorite albums of all time by them, certainly took that in a new direction for them. I like the Bees album. The Bees album, Honey on My Table. That was their Honey comeback album. Honey on My Table. After their... <laughs> Their one-year hiatus, which well, that's a different different story, but who cares? Doesn't matter. I, I like the I like to the me, part where yes. they sing about honey on the table. I like uh, that one. Honey on my table. Uh, but yes, yeah, so this is kind of like how, um, kind of like how Beck did this too with his two albums. Let me. Uh, sorry. With morning phase, and then with sea change, when kind of like morning phase was the proper successor to sea change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Horizons East is the proper successor to Major Minor. Major Minor also kind of went in like this massive progressive route. However, I don't think they were really having a good time in their personal lives, nor as band members together. So it didn't really kind of hit as it was supposed to as their quote unquote final album. But uh, regardless, I know. People want the riffs back with Thrice, but I think that they're just too down the rabbit hole of what they want to do. But that's not to take away what they're doing here. Uh, It's a certain groundswell of just awesome music by them. Uh, Still chugging out some of their most creative and intuitive material uh, at this point in their career. And uh, I'm still delving into it, but it really really captured me well. Um, I'm also listening to the hottest band on planet Earth, and that is Spirit Box. Mm. 
spirit box um kind of just took a torch that was not being held or trying to be grabbed by anyone i think architects is the other band that can kind of say that but spirit box last friday dropped eternal blue um it's where metalcore it's where uh technical death metal uh metal uh deathcore it's where it all should have culminated here and now i kind of like all three of those have kind of fizzled out after their mainstays in the late 2000s and early 2010s and kind of just was just meandering about the last couple of years but spirit box and courtney laplant uh who is just an awesome front woman uh certainly is grabbing that torch and just fucking absolutely running with it um, I was supposed to see them open up for Limp Biscuit, and let's be honest, that wasn't a Limp Biscuit tour. That was a Spirit Box tour. <laughs> I have complete confidence in saying that. I think Fred Durst and the band would say that too. Like, hey, we're here to fucking give Spirit Box a little bit of lift. But um, uh, Eternal Blue is awesome. Again, I'm still delving into it since it just came out last Friday, and I was pretty much in a drunker's stupor for the last 72 hours. So yep. uh, very excited to listen to it. Very excited to see them. And of course, uh, seeing where they can elevate themselves even further uh, with their music. Very nice. Uh, I will shout out three very, very different bands. I suddenly remembered that in high school, I listened to two bands helmed by Colin Marston, one of the fucking wildest guitar players, bass players you'll ever fucking see in extreme music. One of those bands... uh, is Kralis. Kralis is a black metal band that Colin Marshall started in like the early 2000s. And the black gaze style that you see now, right, with Def Heaven and bands like that, um, I feel like Kralis was kind of the first ones to do it, except they were not so focused on uh, sunny melodies and, and, you know, emo stylings. Kralis is... 11 minutes of blast beats and 215 BPM, almost no fucking music, and just this wall of sound, ridiculous guitar playing. They are the ultimate space out and enjoy extreme music at the same time. Band, their um, album, I don't know, Diotoma, Diotoma, I don't know how to say it. I always have said Diotoma. Um is one of my favorites of all time, Dautima from uh, 2011. And then his other band is a band that uh, you might have actually seen like a ridiculous video for. Did you ever see a video uh, on YouTube? Probably we're talking 14 years ago, titled The Worst Band Ever. And it was a dude with like the Skrillex skullet playing a 12 string bass and then a dude playing a bright, <laughs> a bright yellow Jackson guitar with no drummer. But was that becoming the archetype? I feel like they were that <laughs> It was Behold the Arctopus. Behold the archetype, yes. Behold the Arctopus. Arct- Arctopus, sorry. That is them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> trying to describe Behold the Arctopus is a futile effort. Um, their their math metal is the still like closest thing I can tell you, but their 2006 album Nanonucleonic Cyborg Summoning is without a doubt some of the most extreme shit you'll ever hear in your life. Like just 
if you like riffs and 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 music that makes no sense and just meanders and then goes away in two minutes, go go listen to them. And then of course, Lil Nas X put out uh Montero, and I finally got a good listen to it today, and it's great. Lil Nas X is one of the most punk motherfuckers doing shit right now. I love how authentically himself he is. I love how every fucking song he puts out is an absolute banger. I wish him all the success in the world. I, I appreciate a lot of uh, folks in the metal community kind of just uprising him if his own genre is not going to do that. The sheer balls it takes to go on stage at like the BET Awards or at the fucking VMAs and just like dance around in pink sparkly fucking Calvin Klein skivvies <laughs> surrounded by oiled up men talking about just being as gay as he is. Like, I, it's just... It's so fucking cool, and he's 22, and it's it's crazy to me how talented he is. And it's punk like, as fuck. Let's not forget it's, that. That's what I'm saying. It's that punk RuPaul as fuck. Got his like, start in hardcore. It is punk as fuck. There is nothing more punk than fucking being authentically, loudly, and abrasively yourself. And like, fuck all of the uh, fuck all of this like Budweiser TD Bank. We stand with you, rainbow bullshit. This is the shit I want to see. I want to see this dude on a pyramid of other dudes dancing around in pink fucking Calvin Klein skivvies talking about shooting children into mouths and fucking talking about being himself. That's that shit I want to see right there. There you go. I love that shit. So with that being said, we will authentically be ourselves and end the podcast too late, but you will be getting it days early because I am a benevolent God. That is what I am. I am for the people. I am a good mensch, a good comrade, and I provide for the people, Ryan. That is what I do. Since that is are, the service I provide. Since we are being provided an amazing show this week, uh, we want to perform a good mitzvah for you folks. Yes. And, uh, you know, so make sure to fucking listen to it. Yeah. Go fucking do me a solid. We right? need the pump. Give us the pump. Yes, we want the smoke. For God's sakes, give us the smoke. Uh, go fucking watch the G1. Tune in to AEW for Grand Slam. Extreme Rules this Sunday. Uh, let's go, Finn. Let's just let's let's just have a great, a uh, good time. All right. So for good time, Ryan Doyle, and for myself, this has been the most electrifying, must listen to podcast in sports entertainment. This has been F. F C E